Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. From What Goes On Media, this is Backstage With, taking you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. I'm Mikey Worrell. My guest today is the theatre blogger and vlogger you may know as West End Wilmer. His real name is Ed Baker. Ed started his blog seven years ago. He's now got one of the most read British theatre websites and a huge following on social media. We met at the Phoenix Artists Club to talk all about how he got started and how he built his blog into a business. Here's our conversation. The man behind West End Wilmer, welcome. Hello. I've never been here before. This is really nice. Thank you for coming up with this location. Yeah, the Phoenix Artists Club. I've been coming here for years and years. It's just underneath the Phoenix Theatre, where Chicago's on at the moment. And during the day, it's open to everybody. It's kind of a creative hub. So you can come here and use the Wi-Fi and the power sockets, and it's free tea and coffee. And so I come here for a lot of meetings and stuff. Then in the evening, it's nice to come before or after a show and get some really stagey people in and... As you probably saw outside, there's loads of um, like signed cast posters around. There's all shows that go on in the back room. And yeah, it's a, it's a really nice place, especially during the day. It's so busy outside to, if you just want some peace and quiet. Where did you get the idea for Western Wilmer? Why did you start the website? I started it about seven years ago. Like most 20-somethings then, just started a blog. A friend of mine who calls me Wilmer said to me at a show, we'd gone to see Masterclass at the Vaudeville Theatre, and she just said in the interval, Wilma, you see so many shows, why don't you start a blog? So I went home and I started a blog, and I wrote about the shows that I went to see in my spare time, and I didn't want to put a picture of myself on Twitter. I thought that was boring and, you know, just another blog. So because I thought Wilma was an old lady's name, I just used a picture of this old woman that I found online, and called it West End Wilma. I thought that had a nice ring to it. And um, kind of just started, not really pretending, but letting people think it was this old woman running around the West End, reviewing shows and interviewing people. And it seemed to have some appeal and just took off. And then about six months later, I was doing something and someone said, oh, uh, why have we never seen this woman anywhere if she's always out and about? And I thought, oh, I didn't really think about that because I wasn't planning on it being anything more than a hobby. So I said to my mum, oh, uh, how do you feel about dressing up as this old woman in the picture and um, coming out with me to a couple of press nights and things? You know, we'll have a laugh, we'll get some pictures. And she took it and ran with it and has loved every second of it for the last six years or so. Then a year or so ago, with vlogging being more prominent than blogging, I realised if I was going to keep doing this, I needed to tell the world the truth, that it was in fact me behind it and my mum as well. A lot of people said, oh, don't do that, it will ruin the brand, it will ruin everything. And I just said, no, I don't think it will, because the campness of this old woman running around the West End, the idea that it's actually a man and his mother is even more camp and it, it hasn't done it any harm at all thankfully now we do everything together i still do the majority of it she just comes out and has has the fun were you actively trying to keep your identity under wraps during that whole five years 
No, I wasn't West End producer, you know, really keeping it. And no, I don't know who it is. Everyone always wants to know. They think that I'd know because we were quite similar to begin with. You do seem like the sort of person who would know, who would yeah. have the, the, the inside. I've got my info. suspicions. I just spent four days on a cruise with him, but I have no idea who it is. I was never really too bothered about people finding out. It was nice that in this industry, when I went to do interviews with people, they would kind of feel like we had a bond immediately that they could tell me things and say, you can't tell anyone this kind of off camera because they knew that if I ever told anyone, they could out me. So it kind of helped me build bonds with people in the industry. But no, we didn't tell people, but a lot of people knew, you know, obviously I wasn't running around with a cloak pretending to be an old woman. We just thought it was a quirky thing and decided to keep it quiet for as long as possible. And there were stories going around that I was a 12-year-old Japanese boy <laughs> or um, a man in drag, which my mum appreciated. But no, it was never overly bothered. Just thought it was quirky and thought I'd keep it up for as long as I could. You said your friend called you Wilma. What was the reason behind Wilma? It's more current these days because it's come back, but Will and Grace. I thought it might be. She called me Wilma and I used to call her Karen and it's that simple. You mentioned West End producer. The whole secret identity thing really seems to take off. Why do you think that is? It's just different, isn't it? Like I said, it, you know, I didn't want to just put my picture on my Twitter account because why would somebody choose to read what I was saying over the hundreds of other people that were doing the same thing in this industry. My background was in marketing, so brand building and stuff. I kind of had a bit of an idea how to do it, and I just thought no one's going to care. It was just a bit of fun. And what did your mum say when you showed her this picture and said, can you, uh, would you mind? She really embraced it. I'm very much an introvert, and she's very much an extrovert. So any opportunity to get up on stage or be the centre of attention... Um, she loved it. She went straight out and bought a wig. Her biggest concern to this day is always what she's going to wear. That's what she worries about. And I worry about everything else. But no, she just took the ball and ran with it. Everyone has seen that picture with the big hair and the glasses and the, the funny expression. I genuinely thought that was a real person until now. I, oh, did, okay. I, I did not know that that was your mother pretending to be. I just thought that was the person. Yeah. Now, these days, um, I try and use pictures online of both of us together to kind of show that it is actually two of us. Oh, I, I knew you were in, on, in it with her, but I didn't realise that that was your mother pretending to be someone else. I actually thought that was your mother. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is. I guess I'd always based the banter that I wrote with my mum in mind. She doesn't pretend, you know, there's no Wilma backstory that she's learnt. It's 100% who she is and the kind of mother-son banter we have seems to go down quite well people think it's all very funny but no the only thing that's not real is the hair and that was just because the original picture we tried to make her look like that again never thinking five years later it would be at the extent it has been and when you did the reveal how did that go down were people surprised or did did lots of people already know I think most people knew like I say I'd never tried to cover it up to any major extent a lot of people suspected and it was just nice in the end because people always would try to hold it against you that if they knew. So it would kind of be like, oh, well, you know, if you're not nice to me, I can out you. And I wasn't really that bothered. But no, it was fine. How would you say your perception of, of the whole industry has changed since you started blogging? I mean, in terms of blogging, 
like I say, it's it's changed very much to vlogging. I don't live in London at the moment, and so I'm only back every six weeks or so. And I don't go to that many press nights anymore. I just catch up on things when I'm back in bulk, <laughs> which is quite tiring. But I went to a press night last night and was surprised that the majority of the press were vloggers and not bloggers. You know, there was a couple of online websites, but it really seems to have changed to that kind of thing. And, you know, when I first started, I remember contacting places like The National saying, oh, could I uh, come and review some shows? And they were like, no, no, we don't. We don't do bloggers. Their their actual response was, um, we don't do bloggers or one-man bands. That was their response. So a year later, I emailed them and said, well, I've actually got like 20 people writing for me now and it's grown this much and wondered if it's changed. Nope, sorry, still the same. And then a couple of years ago, they've started to embrace bloggers and I now find they're one of the best people to deal with in terms of reviewing stuff. So that has massively changed. People have really, a lot of companies are scared, I think, because they don't understand what blogging is and vlogging is. Um, Or podcasting, I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) talk to me about a Snapchat and I'll run away and hide because I'm still not sure what that is. I'm just learning to use Instagram. But I think people were scared, you know, for 50 years it had been five men sat behind a desk just getting out their black book when a show came out and ringing them up saying this is you know the show come and review it and then all of a sudden you've got hundreds of teenagers in their bedroom hounding you for tickets to come and review a show and you know what do you do with that when that's not what your business has been like so I think it's changed massively all for the better. Did you find it hard when you were starting out did you get a lot of rejection was there a moment where you were thinking this is this is just so difficult I just don't know if it's going to happen oh I think that probably two or three times a week I mean especially this time of year it's it's like a week and a half to the West End Wilmer Awards and every year it gets to this kind of point and I think why am I doing it it's so stressful there's so much rejection involved you know in terms of inviting people and trying to get people to be involved it might look great on the day and it's brilliant and it always turns out well, but nobody knows the amount of rejection I've got to actually get to the point where it works. Yeah, for every yes, there are however many no's. Sadly, I can confirm Patty Lapone is busy, so oh, she will not be there. But well done you for trying. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I think that's the thing. You, you have to pick yourself up and go out there. There's a great line in The Inheritance that is, you'll never get anywhere in this business if you're too scared to bother people. Yeah. And that speaks volumes. Yeah. And me and my mum just went on this four-day musical theatre cruise. And that was only because when they sent me the press release six months ago, I said, oh, do you want us to come and review it? Like, cheekily. You've got to be cheeky in the in the business. And sometimes it pays off. Ended up, you know, interviewing Michael Ball in front of thousands of people. And you have to take a risk. But starting out, your question was... Did I get disheartened? I would say no more than I do now. And originally, I started it as a hobby. So I was just paying for tickets, going to see shows. It was then some of the smaller PR companies would come to me and ask me to review things. And I thought, oh, that's very nice. Get a free ticket, free drink. So there was never any pressure. But then when you do decide to take it from a hobby to a business, which it's been a full-time business for three or four years now, then it becomes more difficult because... You know, you're earning money and there can be this mindset that if we give you money to promote our show, will you give us a good review? Which isn't how it works, but sometimes there's difficult conversations to be had 
in terms of what people are paying for. Because unfortunately, I know many big publications, some which I've written for in the past, that if there's something they don't like about a show, they don't mention it because they're selling tickets off the back of that show. And, you know, I've had my reviews edited and anything negative cut out because they're selling tickets, and I understand that. But that's not what I'm about. You know, if people are going to pay £100 for a ticket to see a show, whether or not they agree with my opinion, because everyone's opinion is different, I think they deserve to know the truth and not have it sugar-coated just for the sake of selling a few tickets. Do you think it's easier when you're publishing it yourself on a website that you have complete editorial control over? Do you think that makes it easier for you to be completely honest with your opinion than if you are writing for someone else and there is maybe pressure to give them a better review? I never felt that pressure. I mean, I didn't write for many people. You know, no one, everyone wants to write for a theatre website and get free tickets to go and write about shows. And so the demand for that when I was trying to start out was so big no one wanted to give me a chance so I started my own thing but no I would I would always write exactly the same way because I think it's just fair to be honest as long as it's justified what you say one of the things I always tell my reviewers is don't write it down in a review if you're not prepared to say it to that person's face because there will come a time and there have been several in places like this that are full of stagey people on a Saturday night that have had a few drinks if you've written something not so positive they will come up to you and corner you and say why did you say that and I think as long as you've been 100% honest and would say it to their face and you know I've done it before and said well yeah I you know I did think it was bad the way you did that what do you want me to say about it I'm not going to apologize I also said that you know you were good at this and this it was just this that wasn't great but yeah never slate anyone to the extent that if they came up to you you'd lock yourself in the toilet and hide there's a lot to be said as well for having an opinion and eloquently putting it down in a way that is strong without being destructive i had it recently on this cruise christina bianco kind of musical impressionist Mm -hmm. she's a friend of mine and she came to one of these q a's and asked a question about whether or not it's difficult to review your friends after you make friends in the industry and i said you know i try not to these days and she said that the first time we ever met i'd given her a very good review and i said to her later that night had i not have given you a good review do you think we would have still become friends And she said, yes, because regardless of what you said about me in the review, it was constructive and you weren't unfair. You were being critical and telling the truth. So even if it had been negative, I can tell by your style that it wouldn't have offended me. Someone said to me the other day, why should we believe your reviews over other people's? You know, why are yours right and other people's aren't? And, you know, that's not what criticism's about. I always say read read all the reviews. Don't read any reviews. If you like the sound of a show, go and see it. I'm going to see Strictly Ballroom this afternoon for the third time, even though it was panned. And I loved it so much the first time, I went back the next day. So I would say there's no right and wrong when it comes to it. It's just people's opinions. I mean, I enjoyed Viva forever. It wasn't great. It was like Mamma Mia. It was does what it says on the tin. Take my advice. <laughs> I don't know if it's about taking advice. I think it's... There's a certain snobbery, isn't there, to a lot of people who write these things. And I know I would never want someone to feel bad about something they liked because I didn't like it. 
one man's trash is another man's treasure. Exactly. A phrase that I hate, but I use several times. I've never heard it before. Oh. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Let's talk about the Wilmer Awards. Yes. The fifth one. When are they? Remind me. It's Sunday, the 4th of November. And it's been hectic. I mean, it always is. It takes me six months to prepare. It's now at the point where I'm just doing the scripting and writing all the the boring stuff, mm-hmm. putting together all the tweets to send out as and when the winners are announced, writing press releases. But yeah, it's very hectic and very scary because you don't know what's going to happen. No matter how much you plan, you don't know what's going to go wrong. And at the end of the day, there's 350 people sitting there, a lot of which are your peers, um, sponsors that have paid me and trusted in me that I'm going to put on a good show and promote them properly. And you never know what's going to happen. I've had MDs pull out an hour before because things have happened and I've had to find another musical director within 30 minutes. You know, things will always come up and it's stressful, but I haven't slept very well for the last six months. I always say I'm never going to do this again because it's too stressful. And then as soon as it's finished and I'm in the pub and you kind of get the feedback that it went well and everybody seems happy, you go, oh yeah, it was worth it actually. What can people expect who maybe haven't been before or what are you doing differently this year? We're doing a bit of a gala ceremony at the Arts Theatre. Every year before we've done it on kind of a Friday lunchtime, mostly just with industry people in a smaller venue. And a lot of people have always said, why can't we come as the public? So last year, or the last couple of years, we've had maybe 30 or 40 tickets sold. This year we've got like, I don't know, 150, 200. The public can come and we've moved it to a Sunday. Everybody will hopefully have the time to come a few different awards this year i've been mixing it up every year introducing things like understudy last year or a couple of years ago this year we've got best ensemble performer which is a new one best solo album and a few few different things it's about recognizing the underdogs as well as the standard best west end show we've got performances from alice fern from wicked who won best understudy last year david hunter who won the first year for Once, and Evelyn Hoskins, who won the Rising Star Award in 2015, who did carry and then went on to do The Sound of Music Live and Miss Sanders and Presents. And was Spring Awakening, of course. Yes, yes, I didn't see her in that. Nearly 10 years ago, would you believe? Can you believe she's old enough? Tim MacArthur's hosting, again, a bit of a surprise performance from him in store this year. Kieran Brown, who was the understudy Phantom recently and did the Titanic tour, he's done a rewritten parody song every year to close the show. So he's doing that again this year. And as always, I probably won't know anything about the song until the day and he probably won't have finished writing it. But he always pulls it out the bag at the last minute. And it's just a bit of fun. Come and have a drink. And it's not the Olivier's. It's not five hours long. It's a bit of fun and a celebration of theatre, voted for by the public. And voting is closed now, is that right? Voting is closed. Voting is closed. So you know who you know all the winners. I know who's won. I have the trophies at home. I've checked they're all engraved properly. And you know the good thing about it being public voting, there's the two sides to whether public is good or not, because then it goes down to how big your fan base is. But at least it takes it out of my hands. Who I would have voted for may not be who's won. The nominees are all decided between me and my reviewing team of about 40 people. And a lot of the shows I haven't even seen. 
things like the band is up for best touring production i only saw it last night so it's definitely not a case of me nominating my friends and deciding who wins because out of my hands with the understudy category that one must be quite a difficult one because people are going to vote for who they've seen and it's unlikely that someone's going to have been able to see every single person in that category right it depends i guess how big you are into your theater i think a lot of the people that follow west end wilma are the kind of people that will go to the theater specifically to see the understudy perform and the good thing about the awards is i always say you can vote in as many or as few categories as you like so if you haven't seen any of the understudies and don't have a preference don't vote you know don't tick a box just for the sake of ticking a box because 50,000 votes we've had this year and there is one category where there are five single votes between the winner and the runner-up so you know every vote counts and I would hate someone to just tick a box and not for that vote to count properly. You talked earlier about turning it from a hobby into a business how did you even start to do that? Because my background was marketing the kind of things I would do just kind of came naturally I kind of thought right well I need a I need to build an email database so that I can sell advertising in emails I need to build my website traffic so that people will want to put banners on the website I think I just had an idea how to do it and you know I'm always looking for a way to do things rather than going well we can't do this it's impossible And people saying, well, you you can't make a living out of blogging. It's not possible. Kind of drove me to think, well, okay, how can I do this? You try things, some things work, some things don't. You know, I know people that blog full-time in different kinds of areas, and they do it in a completely different way to me. You know, they get paid to post on Instagram because they've got a load of followers there, or they get sent on all these round-the-world trips to just take pictures. So I don't think there's any one specific way to make money from it you know people ask me a lot about how to do it and I always just say look at what you've got that's different what makes you different from everybody else and you have to always think in the back of your mind how can I make money out of this what can I do to generate revenue people want me to interview them I can't interview everybody that's asking so do I start to charge them for an interview I don't do that I that's not something I would do but I guess if they're desperate for publicity it's kind of advertising so you know you could do that it's always just thinking these are the things that I do every day social media do I want to charge to post on Twitter you know I've got a few followers it's just you know what I do to make money out of it I'm comfortable with it doesn't tarnish my integrity I don't think and I'm happy with the way the two worlds collide And, you know, it's people say it's greedy to make money out of it. But to be able to give it my full attention, the website, I can't be working eight hours a day in an office. So it's that thing of I'm only doing it so that I can give everything I've got. I couldn't be sitting here this morning on a Wednesday with you if I was at work. So I don't do it to be greedy and, you know, I'm not making millions. I'm making enough to scrape by yet. But I do it, as many people do in the theatre industry, we don't do it for the money, we do it because we love it. What would be your advice to someone listening to this who might want to start a theatre blog, who might have a theatre blog and is getting 50 no's a day but is really trying? What would you say to them to help them get it off the ground? I think it's that cliche that you get on like X Factor or when musicians are asked. I always like Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act 2 
when she says, when you wake up in the morning, if all you can think about is writing, then you're a writer. Um, she does it much more fabulously than that. If it's your passion, if it's what you love doing, just do it. And it's all about engagement, I think, online, social media. Don't just be a, a follower. Engage with people. Engage with conversations and give people a reason to want to follow you. There's so many blogs and vlogs out there now. You've got to do something to stand out and be different. I'd say that's the, the only piece of advice I could give is work out what your niche is and run with it. Well, I'm so glad you don't have a job and that we were able to do this on a Wednesday. Yeah, um, me too. Thanks for coming down. Thank you. The West End Wilmer Awards are happening this Sunday, the 4th of November, at the Arts Theatre in the West End. You can find out how to get tickets at backstagewith.com. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget to leave a rating and a review. To keep up with future guests, you can follow us on Twitter at Backstage underscore with, on Instagram at Backstage with Podcast, or find us on Facebook. This episode was recorded at the Phoenix Artists Club in the West End. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.